is Arif Katra, and I'm the host of Voices Worth Listening To. This is a podcast dedicated to sharing stories about diversity, stories that I hope will make you think and reflect on how we experience each other's differences. My goal is to encourage change in our individual perspectives and in the ways in which we live and work together. This episode of Voices Worth Listening To deals with a question many CEOs face today. Should they hire a chief diversity officer? In 2020 and 2021, we saw two major trends. One, in fashion, the luxury face mask. Think diamond encrusted, the Dubai mall, think Christian Siriano. The second trend, well, that pertains to organizations. Think the chief diversity officer. When I typed in quotations, chief diversity officer, Google produced 1.5 million hits. In today's podcast, I answer four key questions that leadership teams must consider before deciding to hire a CDO. What's a CDO? A chief diversity officer. Question one, are you hiring a chief diversity officer for the right reasons? Two, how can you set up your chief diversity officer for success? Three, who should your CDO be? And four, what will it cost your chief diversity officer and you to develop and implement a DEI strategy? If you have not thought through the implications of these four questions, and are among the 2,000 Canadian and American organizations looking for a chief diversity officer on LinkedIn, stop, pull the job posting, and listen carefully. Question one, why do organizations hire chief diversity officers? Organizations hire chief diversity officers for four reasons. They want to signal to their internal and external stakeholders that they recognize the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion. A CDO can signal legitimacy. Two, the organization is being pushed by its customers, beneficiaries, employees. They all recognize that there is a problem. And by hiring a chief diversity officer, the organization signals it's going to fix it. Harvard is a great example. They hire their first chief diversity and inclusion officer in June of 2020, a month after the murder of George Floyd, and days after Instagram blows up about being black at Harvard, a tell-all for students experiencing unbelievable levels of racism at the world's most prestigious law school. What's the third reason why some organizations hire a CDO? It's what everyone is doing, so we better get on trend. In a competitive marketplace, you don't want to seem outdated. And finally, reason number four. Leadership recognizes they have deeply rooted systemic issues around race and discrimination. They also know they simply don't have the expertise to deal with these issues and foster change. They need an expert. They need a chief diversity officer. You might be asking, what difference does it make why an organization wants to hire a chief diversity officer? 
Discrimination in organizations is real, as are its outcomes. Glass ceilings, homogeneous leadership teams, you know the drill. So anything we can do that will bring about change is a step in the right direction. I like this bandwagon, and I want to jump on. But let's take a moment to look back. In the 1970s, it was very much on trend for universities to hire vice presidents of minority affairs. They were being hired to deal with the first large group of black people entering nearly all white universities. Did these vice presidents create value? Well, it's 30 years later, and educationdata.org tells us, one, since 2010, black or African-American students have decreased among the student population by 10.7%. Two, 46% of black students finish a four-year degree within six years, compared to 72% of white students. Three, 33% of white Americans over the age of 25 hold a bachelor's degree, compared to only 19% of black Americans. And four, white people make up 60% of the U.S. population and 60% of the students enrolled in four-year colleges. Blacks? Well, they make up 15% of the U.S. population, and only 9% of the students enrolled in four-year college. Knowing this history is important because it tools us for the future. Clearly, the army of vice presidents of minority affairs in U.S. universities did little to effectuate any real change. This is the same fear I have for organizations clamoring to hire a chief diversity officer. I believe why you hire a CDO is key to their success. When organizations hire chief diversity officers as a mostly knee-jerk reaction to pressures from competitors, customers, or employees, the decision is doomed from the outset. Whenever you hire a new kind of leader, you do so because you've identified a challenge or an opportunity that cannot be handled or leveraged within your own leadership team. The same goes for a chief diversity officer. Before you make this key investment, you need to have an intimate, not just conceptual, but a detailed understanding of your organization's diversity, equity, and inclusion challenges and opportunities. You need to do real work and real thinking to get to that understanding. You need to rely on experts to help you develop necessary insights into DEI and maybe even help you map out what your organization's potential journey could look like to engender real change. Look, it's a very poor use of resources for me to visit an oncologist because I have a tummy ache. She won't be able to help me. It's only after I've gone through all the diagnostic tests and evaluations that seeing an oncologist is fruitful. If discrimination is the cancer that plagues your organization, then you need to understand it before hiring your chief diversity officer. If you don't make this investment in diagnostics, then more likely than not, your chief diversity officer will be relegated to being a mostly public relations tool. And that will do little to engender real change. Question two, how can you set up your chief diversity officer for success? It depends on how you plan to make use of your CDO. 
some CEOs hire chief diversity officers as confirmation tools. Their first conversation with the CDO goes something like this. We don't have any significant problems. We hire so many diverse people and everyone here is comfortable. We have a great organizational culture. Sure, we have a few problems. Who doesn't? And you could help us with those. But by and large, you'll see that we are doing better than most of our competitors. Translation, I need you to confirm we're doing okay. I'm not sure I want to know about the problems, and I certainly don't want to embark on any significant change initiatives. Business comes first, diversity comes second. And I don't see that they are related. And as long as no one is complaining too loudly, we're good. If you could help us keep those complaints at bay, we'll be golden. This is the confirmation hire. Now let me introduce you to the scapegoat hire. The CEO and the leadership team know their organization struggles with important issues around diversity, racism, and gender bias. The workforce is unhappy, and now pivotal stakeholders inside and outside the organization are growing impatient. Enter the chief diversity officer. Here's how that conversation goes. We have a lot of issues, and we want to be transparent with you. Here they are. Issue one, two, three, four, five. What? You only brought one plate? We have enough issues to fit onto four plates. One plate won't do. What? You'll need a team to truly help us make changes? We don't have the budget for that. What happens next is really dependent on who you hired. Some chief diversity officers will fight the good fight. They'll bring issues to the table, no matter how uncomfortable, and they will compel leaders to allocate executive time to come together and find solutions. They typically realize early on that they are the scapegoat, and they will do everything they can do to facilitate an environment where leaders are accountable for solving their organization's DEI challenges. But this can be exhausting work, especially when leaders don't cooperate. When this happens, smart CDOs leave. The uphill battle becomes too steep. Other chief diversity officers also realize early on that they are the scapegoat. But rather than fight the good fight, they focus solely on easy wins and managing communications around DEI. Change doesn't really happen, but it gets talked about a lot. And sometimes that's enough signaling for the CEO and key stakeholders. Let me now introduce you to the consultation hire. This chief diversity officer's job is to consult with the senior management team. They often come from HR, communications, diversity, and legal backgrounds. In fact, data shows that 90% of CDOs have these areas in their experience base. These chief diversity officers provide advice and make recommendations on compliance, bias training, recruiting from broader audiences, developing pathways to build relationships with various external organizations, and they are usually expert communicators, especially skilled at handling sticky situations. Interestingly, when you look at the expertise of most CDOs, less than 20% have executive management experience in organizations. The outcome? 
Most consultation type CDOs, one, struggle to influence leaders. Two, they struggle to conceptualize how diversity in the organization can be leveraged to create competitive advantage, because for them, DEI has always been an HR issue. And three, they have little experience in managing change. The result? They are not invited to the decision-making table, and nothing significant changes in terms of DEI for the organization. The last hire I want to introduce you to is the partner CDO. The partner hire is someone who you put on your senior leadership team. They play more than a people function. They are part of how you see and interpret opportunities and challenges in the external environment. They play a role in helping decide on the products and services you offer and how you market them. They influence who leads, how systems are designed or redesigned, to be more efficient and more value-creating. They influence the assets you invest in that will drive revenues or decrease costs. They influence how the organizational structure changes. And they keep DEI pivotal to the continual process of establishing and re-establishing your competitive advantage. Does this sound like what the CEO's team does? Exactly. If they are not on that team, they won't matter. Partner CDOs have a voice, they are truth-tellers, and they are change agents. They have no issues holding up a mirror to the leadership team and the organization and developing pathways for real change around DEI. And most importantly, they don't operate in job preservation mode. They fight the good fight, mostly because that's who they are, but also because They are protected by the CEO and the leadership team. This brings us to the third question I want to answer in today's podcast. Who should your chief diversity officer be? The knee-jerk reaction to this question is we need someone with experience. They should have 10 to 15 years of experience working at a senior level in the DEI space. Let's think for a moment. Have the last 10 to 15 years been a high point for DEI in organizations? Are you hiring someone who can be part of the solution or someone who has been part of the problem? Think about where we are in terms of female, Asian, Black, or LGBTQ plus representation on management teams and boards. I'm not suggesting we throw experience out the window when looking for a CDO but rather we look at other areas as well. Here's my list. One, your CDO must have executive experience managing complex projects and managing change. Two, they should be knowledge creators. Have they written about DEI? Have they participated in podcasts? What have they done that demonstrates depth and knowledge in the current issues facing organizations in terms of DEI? Three, Your chief diversity officer should have oodles of lived experience. What first-hand experience do they have with DEI, themselves, and in managing difficult situations? Four, their own intersectionality matters. They must themselves represent multiple diverse groups. They must personally represent a multifunctional connection to race, gender, and other forms of minorityness. 
Because although DEI is managed at the rational level, it is understood and experienced at a highly personal and emotional level. The stats that support intersectionality? Well, the fastest growing ethnic group over the next several decades will be people who are two or more races. This population will grow by 200% by 2060. And finally, one of the biggest questions about your chief diversity officer is should they come from inside or outside your organization? If they are from within your organization, they should have enough credibility and legitimacy and protection in the organization to speak the truth. They should have a reputation of being a bit of an outlier, and they should have a track record of sometimes breaking the rules. If they come from outside the organization, they should not be junior in any way from other members of your leadership team. They should be organizationally savvy. Their hiring references should share stories of how they spoke their mind, even in really tough situations. And they themselves should have a story of how they gave up a job because of a right-wrong type issue. Only these kinds of bold CDOs are capable of affecting real change. The last question I will answer in this episode of Voices Worth Listening To is what are the real dollars and cents costs of having a DEI strategy? a key responsibility of every chief diversity officer. CDOs, depending on the size of their departments, rely on external support to develop a DEI strategy. To guesstimate a dollar value for these strategies, we have to lay out a reasonable journey that most organizations can follow to change the DEI context in which they operate. At Stratology Consulting, where I help organizations at the intersection of strategy and diversity, this journey has five steps. Step one involves working with leadership teams and key groups of employees across the organization to co-create a charter of diversity, equity, and inclusion. This charter outlines eight to 10 values related to DEI that the organization believes should shape its systems and its decision-making. This is a process-based step that is as much about outcomes as it is about process. Depth and breadth can affect costs. Step two requires taking a deep dive to evaluate systems based on the organization's values-based DEI charter. Costs are significantly influenced by the complexity and size of the organization's systems. Step three, training and development. Often, Companies start with step three. I think that's a mistake. You need a roadmap from steps one and two if your training is going to make sense for your people. Training should be custom designed. It should be case-based. That is, it should rely on DEI stories from your own organization and other organizations. A case or story-based approach to DEI training improves one, understanding around DEI, two, it gives volumes to underrepresented voices in your organization. Three, it augments trust within the organization because it creates empathy. Four, it fosters reflection on how to make the organizational systems more inclusive. And five, it creates an authentic appreciation 
around how DEI can help the organization achieve higher levels of performance. Steps 1 to 3 can each cost 25k to 250k, depending on the breadth and depth of the work. Costs can be brought down depending on the size of the CDO's office and the expertise within that office to undertake work internally. Step 4 is designing and implementing initiatives for change that deal with what has been learned during steps 1 to 3. Some of these change initiatives involve redesigning systems and checking biases. Others require new hires and new DEI initiatives. Depending on the scope and depth of the change initiatives and the organization's size, DEI change management strategies can cost between 50k to 500k. Finally, step 5 involves measuring change. Organizations must have a way to measurably live up to their values-based DEI charter. As the saying goes, we only change what we can measure. This requires putting a measurement system in place, but that is highly cost-effective, even when considering design, implementation, training, and publication. So before I end today's podcast, I want to give you some insights into how the rubber hits the road for CDOs. First, although there were 1.5 million hits on Google for Chief Diversity Officer, on LinkedIn, of the 1,600 job openings in the U.S. for a Chief Diversity Officer, only 30% are actually looking for someone to focus directly on DEI. The rest are Chief Operating Officer jobs. In Canada, of the 500 job openings for a CDO, only 9% are really looking for an expert in diversity and inclusion. And most of that 9%, well, there are three or four large multinational corporations not even headquartered in Canada. When you focus on nonprofits and educational institutions, the demand for CDOs is even more dismal. So what's going on? Most organizations are simply not taking DEI seriously. Despite George Floyd, despite Ahmaud Arbery, despite dismal outcomes in terms of minority representation in management teams, at universities, and in for-profit and non-profit organizations in the U.S. and Canada, and even in the face of accolades such as Vancouver, Canada having the highest number of anti-Asian hate crimes in the world, organizations have convinced themselves that these challenges are individual people challenges and not organizational issues. This only highlights that many organizations can't see the forest and they can't see the trees. Organizations need to seriously consider why DEI is a journey they have to take and how hiring the right chief diversity officer for the right reasons is an important step in that journey. I hope you'll join me again in a few weeks by subscribing to the podcast. And I especially hope that today, the time spent listening to this podcast made you feel that this was a voice worth listening to. If you would like more information about my work in diversity and strategy, please visit my website at www.strat-ology.com. That's 
S-T-R-A-T-O-L-O-G-Y dot com. The music in this podcast is from the Toronto Tabla Ensemble. To find out more, visit torontotabla.com. That's the word Toronto and the word tabla, T-A-B-L-A dot com. Thank you.